You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, World Wide Web? It's Brandon. Hey, and before I tell you my name, I'm going to have a slug of this bourbon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Jeff. And we're filmmakers, and we're, we're drinking bourbon. Cheers. Well, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of what? Kind of drinking bourbon? No, we're not drinking bourbon. Or kind of filmmakers? We're drinking... We're, we, both. <laughs> both. I'm a filmmaker. You're... I don't know. Why are you even here? I'm a... Well... <laughs> I guess nobody else showed up. No one even knows who you are. Nobody else showed up, so I'm I'm walking on the street, and you know I'm tall and good looking, so he grabbed Bam, me. Done. That's yeah. all. That's all I can say. So on the show today is Mr. Jeff Chambers, creative director, writer, agency extraordinaire. How's yeah, that for a title? That's very good. So, uh, Jeff, me and you uh, have known each other for a little while now. Yep. Um, and we're, we're going to tell a little bit of that story. We're going to dig into one of the things the listeners, I think, of this show really want to know is what are agencies looking for in video production companies, freelancers, and filmmakers? Sweet. So I, I can speak to that. All right, cool. Well, we'll, we'll get in there. But I do want to set up uh, Alex has been slammed. Uh, I've been slammed. We're both kind of you know jamming. And so what we're trying to really work out with the show is – what do we do when we get busy and consistently busy like this? Because, you know, it's it's coordinating, you know, guest hosts and, and different things like that. So we're trying to work that out, guys. So thanks for being patient. Um, we love you guys, as always. Uh, great fans of the show, so we appreciate that. Um, but Alex is slamming, jamming. Uh, he's, he's on a shoot or prepping for a shoot today. So we're super happy to have Jeff on the show. So, yeah, happy to be here. So, Jeff, um, we, we met each other two, three years ago. I was a young filmmaker hustling, trying to meet people, trying to meet the the old guard, the OGs of the industry. And I know a couple times at uh, some of the Addy events, I I mean, I was just I was just in, up in your mix saying, "Hey, let's get together, let's have coffee." And you looked at me like, "Who the hell are you?" Nah, I mean, but you were, you were working, you were working, dude. We 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 admired it. Anybody that's hustling, trying to make a buck, we sure. admire it. Yeah, so uh, so let's just um, my first question to you that to to set the scene, let people know. You know, what's your backstory? How did you get into the agency game, and what roles have you played in an agency, and, and, and you know, what kind of stuff do you do? Okay. Well, I was trained uh, as a writer, got a degree in English, and had written for publication, and then uh, was so fortunate to land a job with a PR agency, a shop called Lawler Ballard, Okay. way back in the day. I mean, I've been doing this for 35 years now, now was that so. at the time were you in the midwest is that a cincinnati okay all right cincinnati and lawler ballard was this nationally known creative shop had a big deal reputation uh, uh listeners might not remember this but uh we did some tv commercials for uh, bartles and james ah the uh yeah the, was it a like a wine cooler right yeah 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 and they kind of put lawler ballard on the map and i remember that yeah so that was my first uh gig and I, I just I, I didn't know at the time how lucky I was to actually <laughs> get into a creative field and and do you know have a real job when the other guys that with degrees in English literature were slinging pizzas selling shoes <laughs> so, or or so you, either that or a teacher uh, I guess I mean, that's, lot, yeah. or other that or you're working on your novel right yeah well yeah <laughs> I, I never had that novel thing working but that's all right so, uh, yeah, I started in Cincinnati, and I worked in uh, 
Louisville and in Atlanta for BBDO. Um, did some big deal shoots there and then came back to Cincinnati and I've been a creative director here for, you know, 20 years. All right. And I've hired a lot of people like you. Yeah. Not well. I, I can't say that. <laughs> I have not hired a lot of people like you, really, because I don't think they're a lot like Sasquatch. There aren't a lot of people that are like you. But yeah. So uh, so here's the story. Here's my story with uh, Mr. Brandon Ferris. Uh, we were at a local uh, advertising competition, a, a cool thing we do once a year, yeah. where we celebrate some of the best work. And here's this goofball with a flat bill. And he's he's coming he's coming up to everybody. Hey man, I want to work with you guys. I want to work with you guys. And and you know we just we had heard it for so many years. We just got tired of it and said, okay, we're going to give him a job. And so uh, you know, you and I have done several projects, yeah. and I'm just gonna I'm gonna kind of prop my my co-host here because this Brandon is a rare breed. He's extremely energetic. He's got tons of ideas. He's got tons of energy. And that, from an advertising agency perspective, you get a partner like that, it makes it so much easier. So props to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate the, the compliment. So th- let's, let's dig a little more into to some of your roles at the agency. So as creative director, as writer, you, know, you alluded to a little bit of doing some productions. I, I assume you, know, you did a lot of print. You've probably done some radio. So the, being here in the booth is probably familiar. Um, and yep. then you've done some commercials and that sort of thing. So any, any one of those that you've done more of, or is there one that you really liked or enjoyed? Well, I've done probably more print. Um, working in smaller markets, uh, Cincinnati, Louisville, at, uh, Atlanta, um, you don't really get the big budget broadcast opportunities that, that I would in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, L.A., that kind of thing. So I did a lot of print. Um did a lot of radio. Mm-hmm. In fact, the studio in which we are now yeah. sitting. I mean, I've been up here countless hours. It's a Cincinnati establishment. It is. It's a Midwest establishment. Yeah. National honorable well, establishment. It's gone international. It's international. Global. I think, it's global. Intergalactic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, did a lot of print. Um, did a, a lot of spots. I've probably done, you know, 100 spots, I guess. Okay. So in the, and I assume those are probably a mix of local, regional, and, and some national. Yeah. Okay. Big big budget spots for Delta Airlines. Uh, you know, down to twenty five grand shoots for the local, uh, you know, uh, barber shop or right. something like that. Now, just to give some perspective, because you're not. I mean, you're definitely. You know, you're not in your twenties. How could you tell? <laughs> you're no. You're an OG. Dude, I'm You're an original team. gangster. Seriously. You've been doing this for a, for a while now. So for real. you've seen, you've been through the days where there was massive advertising budgets for broadcast, when broadcast was like a thing. Please. Like it was a big deal, right? Tiger. To whereas nowadays, the question is, is who even watches broadcast? Because all the eyes are on phones and digital, right? Well, I can't exactly agree with that. And let me tell you why. Um, they wouldn't be spending... I don't know what's the Adam. What's the rate for a a Super Bowl thirty second? It's well, I think it. I think it's over three mil. Now, you know, you're going to see that content, whatever's developed sure. for that Super Bowl. You're going to see it live in other places, so budgets are all you know. It's stretched yeah, yeah. out. 
right. it's spread out. But but you know what I'm you know what I'm getting at here that in the in the heyday, it was you know big bucks, big deal. If you yep. were going to do a broadcast spot, it was a big investment. Yeah, because, and you didn't really have other outlets. It was either broadcast or like print. There was no middle ground of this sort of branded content that we see all over the web now. Oh, absolutely not. You know absolutely what I mean? Absolutely not. Back, so back in the day, I'm going to use that expression, even though I'm, I kind of resent that expression. But <laughs> back in the day, uh, you know, everything was everything was keyed by broadcast. Broadcast was the big dog. Yeah. Feed the big dog. Supporting print, uh, we had out-of-home advertising, mm-hmm. and we had, uh, you know, radio and PR. Those were the things. That's where you. That's where you spent your money. Sure. And man, we. You know, I hate to talk about the salad days, but we would have we would have pre pre production meetings. I mean, yeah. we we would sp- we would cater. Oh yeah. You know, and sit around and and BS and all that stuff. <laughs> and, and, Mad and, Men. Yeah. Yeah. Drop drop money. Don Draper, you were you were smoking and drinking and the whole deal. I never smoked, <laughs> but I. <laughs> But here, let's have a little another sip yeah, of bourbon. Yeah, a little, little nip for Shoot. for the old day. Here's to the old Don Draper. And the yeah, boys. Don Draper. So, so here's what here's where I want to get into is, you know, as a creative director, you're at, you're at an agency, you're working with a brand. Okay, let's just say you know Widgets Inc. is the brand, and you're you're developing them, you're trying to position them, and along the way, you guys realize, man, we need some some video content. Um, so. How does an agency think? Do they do they automatically have a go-to partner? What makes that partner worth calling again? Do you start looking at for new partners? When do you start looking? So let's just let's start with what was you know in your experience what was some of the primary drivers to deciding who was going to execute the video? Okay, well you first have to define the sort of agency in which you're working because they're not all the same. Um, some agencies are extremely creatively motivated. They're not so bottom line motivated. They'll spend money to get good creative resources, maybe make less on a project. And that's, that's one very viable way to do business. A lot of national class agencies, you know, like Droga 5 and, you know, Crispin Porter, that, they do that. Then you have other agencies that are a little bit more bottom line focused. And they're going to give you tight restrictions around what you spend. So you kind of, you know, it's different depending upon the sort of agency for whom you're working. And I've always tried to, uh, I've tried to get jobs in really good creative agencies. Mm-hmm. So um, the first thing we would do in a creative agency is find out who's doing cool shit. Okay. And you know, you just back in the day it was it was there's that expression again. It was extremely difficult. You had to do a lot of homework and digging. Yeah. Today, that information is so readily accessible. Sure. Well, and in in back then the way the advancements in technology, I mean, you had to have money to be a player in the game. I mean, cameras back then, systems, you know, an avid editing system was a $50,000 editing system. And now you can do the same exact thing for $9.99 a month with Adobe Premiere. Yeah. And, you know, cameras, you can rent a Red, you can rent an Alexa, whatever, on places like Lens Pro to Go. You can rent them for the day. So the playing field is completely level. Yeah. Everybody has the same toys. But that's not exactly helped 
the production industry from my perspective, and I'll get I'll get to that a little bit later. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, so what, what were we talking? So about? you were just saying it was a little harder back then to find who was doing the cool stuff. Took more work. Yeah. Took more work. Uh, and uh, if it, you know, among really good creative shops, there was uh, an excitement around the work. So you could call somebody you didn't even know him or her and say, hey, who'd you use for this shoot? And they'd tell you. They'd be excited. But it, these days, there's a lot more protectionism going on. You want to keep things closer to the vest. Um, it's a lot different. It's a, it's a lot different. But uh, so, yeah, we'd find people that did cool stuff. And uh, that was step one. Now, let's say you find somebody, they're doing cool stuff. How, how did, did you vet them or, you know, I'm trying to, I want to look for a couple practical takeaways, you know, for the guys listening, you know, guys who listen to the show or there's freelancers, there's guys with small shops like Leap Frame, there's, you know, some big shop people. And uh, I think what are some of those practical takeaways or, you know, some of the things they should be doing when engaging with agencies to, to let them know, hey, you can trust us. We got this. Well, you know. Trust comes with established relationships, uh, and you know the, all you got to do there is just do it over a number of years. Like you in this market, mm-hmm. nobody knew you, <laughs> just saw the energy and gave you a shot, and now you've got now you've got that level of trust. So, um, th- getting past that, it's just a matter of of work. Yeah, but. Here's another thing that we really looked for in creative kinds of shops, right? Not the not the shop that'll do the anybody's talking head, stupid ass video. Sure, sure. But in a creative shop, we really looked for a point of view. We, uh, you know, if 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 we had a computer here, uh, we could call up uh, a dozen uh, skilled videographers. Sure. And uh, you're going to struggle, really, to tell me a difference in point of view from from the first right. to the twelfth. Yeah, everybody's going to list the same gear. Everybody's going to have the same reel. Everybody's going to have shown you know similar work. Yeah, their their branding. You know, is it a reflection of their their personality? Mm-hmm. What's their brand promise? All that kind of stuff. I mean, branding is every bit as important for. Uh, you know, a videographer, as it is for a company selling soap. So, so even as a as a creative uh, agency, when you guys would look at vendors, in addition to their work, you're looking at their brand. Totally. Who 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 are they? What what's the Kool Aid they're selling? Sort of thing. Totally. Okay. Yeah, dude. I mean, I can tell you. You you call call a guy up, and you you know within four stupid seconds whether yeah. you're interested in that person or not, and maybe. Maybe that's a little bit, uh, you know, superficial. Sure. Maybe you need to to get past yourself yeah. a little bit, but that's how brand impressions are made now. Yeah. Thanks, thanks to the digital world. Really, it happens like that. And, and so, you guys, as creatives, having a, a specific sort of point of view and appreciation for good design, automatically are going to throw out. Somebody who doesn't have a clean website with a decent, good design, with decent base level work. You're like you're. It's not even a. You're. They're not even getting. They're not even in the conversation. Yeah, if they don't join the convers the consideration set, that's the marketing term. Sure, consideration set. Right. 
I want to see. I want to see that. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to look any particular way, but it's got to look fresh. Yeah, a little bit. And you want it to be. You want it to to look as if they thought about it. They've organized it. They definitely have a, a way of thinking and a way that they're going to carry themselves before you even have a conversation of, you know, could I work with you? Now, did you guys, did you yearly, monthly, did you kind of vet people and get them kind of into your system and roster? Or was it a thing where it was like you got so busy, your go-to was booked, so you had to find somebody else? You know, how did that work? Or did you guys do like a vetting process? Well, the truth is that uh, among the best creative agencies, the best creative people, they're constantly, we were constantly looking to see what was going on. So, you know, a, a real good studio be top of mind. You'd hear from some guy in Austin, hey, man, check out Picture Park up in Boston or whoever it is. And so, so it, that was a, a, a constant sort of source of vetting, really. But we were, you know, we made sure that we were aware because it was fun, because it was interesting. That kind of thing. Nice. All right. Well, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. Let's, let's see if me and you can develop uh, together. Let's give our listeners, let's give them three things. So you got you've got your freelancer, your startups, your young people trying to make it. They're trying to break in. They they don't have the established relationships in the industry. Uh, let's let's give them three things. So number one, what do you think? Number one thing that you need to be doing. You need to you need to create some work that expresses a point of view, uh, and it doesn't even have to be for a real client. It doesn't have to be something you get paid for. But you have to start to develop a point of view. All right, I like I, I agree with that. I, I think, and that's one of the things we've been doing with LeapFrame is, and I think where I would say to the to everyone listening is, when he says point of view, what he's talking about is, you know, everyone thinks differently. We all look at the world in a different way, and point of view, in my opinion, is the, is what is at stake here. What we're playing with again, if if everyone has the same gear and everyone has the same toys. Those are all commodities. Every it's like you know, everyone has the same stuff. But there's a million ways to use those toys. There's a million ways to combine them. And if you have a specific set of things and tricks and little deals that you can do, that a you enjoy, you're consistent with, you can replicate it time and time again. That is how you start to formalize a point of view. We've talked about it on this show before, like with directors. You know, uh, I've been doing a study of Spike Lee. Spike Lee has a point of view. He's a very specific point of view. He deals with racial issues. He has a very specific look feel that he does when he shoots things. He has certain camera moves that he does every film, and it's shaped for him a point of view. And his point of view is drastically different than a guy like Clint Eastwood. Right. Now, Clint Eastwood films all have a similar point of view because it's his look feel. So take that and kind of minus that down a little bit. You don't have to be Spike or Clint Eastwood, but... You definitely need to have a way that you approach film and video, the way you look at the world, and the way you sort of talk about yourself, formalizing whether you're claiming it to be your point of view or not, you're broadcasting it to the world as your point of view. All right. So here's an example. Uh, every young videographer out there or, or new studio is going to pick up work doing stupid talking head corporate Yep corporate work. Hey, my CEO needs to do uh, this year's top 10 reasons to believe or whatever. Dude, yeah. It's 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 a real thing. And you got to pay bills. So, you know, sure. so I'm there. But believe it or not, I, I know 
it's hard to believe there are a million ways mm -hmm. to do a stupid talking head video. And some of them are going to be more interesting. Whether it's the, the positioning of the camera, whether it's the, the cutting of the thing, whether it's change in lighting. I don't know what it is. Sure. But um, for the young guy, for the young people out there, keep saying guys, don't mean to. Sure. No, it's, there's plenty of ladies. For the young people out there, uh, think, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this, this talking head video and I'm going to shoot it in a way that makes the client happy and I, and I, I pocket that, that money and that's great for this month. But I'm gonna. I'm also gonna have a third camera on this thing somehow, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut it in a way that makes me really stand out, and that's what I'm gonna put on my website. That's what I'm gonna use to attract the attention of uh, creative people with bigger budgets. That kind of thing. So that's. You know. Um, so so don't be afraid to try new things to shape and establish that point of view. You want to catch catch people's attention that you you've got more to offer than than the status quo. Yeah. See, a, right. a lot of people are going to say, "Oh man, I don't know what to put on my site. I just have these these talking head videos, and they're not yeah. very good." And so I'm going to say, "Well, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to go in next couple weekends and cut something that makes you happy." Yeah. And that's what you got to do. All right. Cool. So point of view. Establish a point of view. Know who you are. Communicate that. Uh, what else? What well, do you think? What, what, another another good takeaway. I, I I got one. See if you agree with this. Um, you've got to do, you've got to do the uh, the grinding, hustling, grinding. You got to get out to the events. You got to meet people. You got to talk. You got to have coffee. And my my tip is this: take people to coffee or lunch. Not to tell them about you, but to ask them about them. Ask them how to get better. You take somebody to lunch and you say, hey, what can I learn from you? You've been doing this much longer than me. Clearly, you're successful. People tell me I need to know you. Why? I want to hear your story. People, In my experience, people are more apt to give you time when uh, when you're not doing a, like a self-promotion thing. Yeah. That makes Do you a lot agree of sense. with that? Yeah, and that I know it's it's very hard for artists to do this. Sometimes they're we we tend to be a little bit more private, mm -hmm. a little less gregarious. You don't. You're you're very gregarious and social and all that stuff, and that's been to your benefit. But it's it's going to be hard for some of these people to to you know kind of push beyond themselves and and get it out there. And, but yeah, absolutely. Now here's another thing. I'm going to kind of stretch that point. Um, wherever you are, you will find a, a pocket of creative energy going on in your community. Yeah, that's true. Find it. Yeah. Go, go, go. Don't waste your time dicking around. Find <laughs> the creative energy yeah. and just hang out. Get involved with it. Like we've got it here in, in Cincinnati, you know? Yeah. And I know for people outside Cincinnati, you might think, oh, it's just Cincinnati, but... Believe it or not, within our community, we've got a core of, uh, you know, like yellow jackets, man, and they're and they're yeah. they're ready to go, and and that's where, uh, that's where you need to be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you know it seems to be that 
like-minded creatives, creatives that think abundantly, who are looking to do good stuff, looking to network with good people. There is this sort of like vibe that's contagious. Oh, and, yeah. And there's a, a sense of tribe, right? Absolutely. That people kind of... Yeah. Kinda... And, it, and we're not trying to knock each other down. Dude, yeah. we're trying to we're trying to lift each other up, man. And it's it's uh it's awesome. It's awesome. Like what Adam's doing here with this studio, man. We we yeah. want him we want him to kick tail. For sure. All right, so establish a point of view, get out there and grind, meet people, find ways to get connected. Um we, we got to leave him with one more. One more thing encourage people trying to re- and when I, really really make it, really break in, really become you know, uh, a vital part of the community where people now know, they know who they are. They're working with them. Not just, you know, have a have a drink and be able to wave to them at the, the award show. Well, one thing that I think smart marketers are doing, and, and let's assume that, a, you know, a, a young studio is, is marketing something. Of course they're marketing something. They're more marketing their, a service and maybe a point of view. If they buy into our point one, mm-hmm. they're going to market a point of view. So uh, I think uh, something in the humanitarian uh, arena, donating work, donating time, mm-hmm. um, I think that that would be a smart thing to do. All right. I like that. Meet a lot of people. And, you know, man, I mean, it, it's good for the world. Yeah. You got you to support the world. You got to support. Yeah, it's, it's, things it's, are happening. It's a big world. That's it needs, true. It needs our support. Yeah. I, I think the... The bonus I'll add on that, so we'll give you a, a three dot dot one or a or a fourth, is don't be afraid to create together. So, oh. so I think you know my experience is um so you know guy you write for a lot Keith Neltner, somebody I admire he does great work he's one of the sort of the creative guys in town um in the in the region and he does killer work and I've wanted to to work with him for years. And I did, you know, kind of what you were explaining. I just kind of, I kept being around. I just kept being in the room um, until eventually, uh, one day, um, it wore it wore on wore on him, and uh, he invited me to collaborate on a project. And he said, "Hey, I'm getting ready to paint a 70 foot mural. Yeah, and uh, you know, do you think you could shoot a time lapse?" And then I kind of used that opportunity, and I was like, in my head, I was like, "Well, I could shoot a time lapse." Hell, let's make a documentary. So I took what could have just been capturing him painting a mural, and then together we created a film that included, you know, the whole city and interviews and beer, and then we turned it into an event. We had over 500 people. I was there. You were there. Show, show up for the premiere. Adam of, was there. Of a, uh, Adam was playing. We had a band and a horse outside. It was crazy. But uh, but we took what, what could have just been a time lapse, and together – we, we really made a moment out of it, and through that, we formed a friendship. We spent time together. We built that project. Since then, we've collaborated on other projects. We've, we've met people because of it. So I think that would be my, my third would be don't be afraid to find the people who are doing cool stuff and that you admire and collaborate. Collaborate with them. With them. I think collaboration is a huge thing. Yeah. And I think it, for that, it scares some people. Because they have more of a scarcity mindset, and if if someone you know over across the street does well, that means I can't do well. But I think you know flipping that viewpoint to an abundant mindset, saying, "Hey, if the person across the street does well, I can do well too." Now, okay, so we were at lunch the other day, yeah. and you had a quote, something about 
not frequency, not scarcity, or what was the yeah. quote? Uh, scarcity versus abundance. Okay. And I was talking about just an abundant mindset. So I was first introduced to the concept at a deep level from um, a book uh, called Love is the Killer App, written by Tim Sanders, who is the – he was formerly the solutions officer for Yahoo. Um, he's just a really smart guy, marketing guru. And he, you know, in, in his book, he really breaks down the, the difference in philosophy of abundance and scarcity. So a scarcity, a scarcity mindset says, um, if all my friends on Halloween get lots of candy, then I won't get any candy. So therefore, I don't want my friends to get any candy so that I can get all the candy. That's scarcity. Um, and when you have a scarcity mindset, you're paranoid. You're critical. You're self-doubting. You are always watching what everyone else is doing. You're not focusing on what you need to be doing. And your world becomes cynical. You surround yourself with cynical people. And it's a it's a spiral of negativity that is ultimately going to kill you. Yeah, man. You can't be yeah. creative under those guys. Exactly. The abundance mindset is the opposite. The abundance mindset says, wow. All my friends in the neighborhood are getting so much candy for Halloween. That's awesome. I am so excited for them because that means that I, too, am going to be able to hit the neighborhood and get some awesome candy as well. And you celebrate together, and then you all get in a room and dump your candy out, and you're trading your favorite candy. And, oh, yeah, I got a Jolly Rancher, Jeff. Yeah, you, you got an m M&M, and I'll trade you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's winning. Everybody's succeeding. There's enough candy to go around for everybody. So yeah. the abundance mindset brings nothing but hope and joy and opportunity and inspiration and you know, a, a healthy sense of competition and, you know, oh, yeah, oh, man, oh, oh, great. oh, you got 50 pieces? I think I can get 51 pieces of candy. And and it's just this becomes this, you know, sort of energetic feeding frenzy of like anything is possible. Sure. And, um, and I really think that the abundance mindset is true. I mean, there's enough work to go around for everybody. There's there's so many companies in every city um, that need content. And they all need different content. And there's going to be some companies that need a point of view that's very buttoned up. And there's going to be other companies that need a point of view that is radical. So there's room for so many people to really uh, win in the space. But that was the thing that um, that I learned through through his sort of his book and, and that sort of deal. So I've, I've tried to employ that. And so I love collaborating with, with competitors and agencies and, you know, to me, it's not a. It's never. It's a healthy competition. You yeah. Know, because uh, to me, if if all of the the top shops in town are doing well, that's great. Because that means I also have an opportunity to do well. But here's the challenge: since just about anybody whack job out, anybody can pick up a camera, <laughs> and they got and they got Premiere, mm-hmm. and they got a Mac, and they can start putting and they. Yeah. You know, get a little sound bed and stuff like that. Do a little simple VO. Yeah. I mean. Having a distinct, a distinctive point yeah. of view was never more important. Absolutely, it's it's paramount these days, and it's almost to the point where not only do you have to have a good reel and good content on your site, but that good content has to be full of a point of view. You have to be able to look at it and go, "Oh, this guy's this guy's doing something. He has a he has a definite thing that he does that's different than anything else I've seen." 
Yeah, that's definitely a thing. So um, you see it a lot with music video directors. Yeah, you know the the ones that are just really killing it have a really unique point of view, and they're really trying some interesting ways of of storytelling with music videos. And you can see all the other music videos that all look the same. It's just you know a little slow motion here, a little bit of you know uh, sort of split screen, you know, and and they're just kind of formulaic. So yep, gotcha. So anyway, well, I'll tell you what, man, the, the, the thing we do on this show, it's been fun. It was a good chat. It was a good time. It was a good, was a good time. I, I, I enjoyed um, this immensely. I want to I I dig into what we really talk about on the show. There's three things. What are you watching? What are you working on? And what are you excited about? Let's start with the first one. What are you watching? What is Jeff Chambers, writer, creative director extraordinaire? Do you watch TV? Do you listen to the radio? Do you read? What do you do? Well... Yeah, I do some of all of those things. Uh, I listen to NPR on the way to work. Nice. And on the way home. So do I. Um, right now, the TV show we're watching is The Walking Dead. All right. So, you know. Now, like, the original or like the spinoff series? And there are like two? Dude, there are, like, there are actually two spinoffs, I think, yeah. now. We, we watch the original. Okay. I have yet to jump in. Is it worth jumping in? I, t- I typically struggle with things that I'm a realist. So I typically struggle watching things that aren't real, real. So clearly zombies aren't real. But why, Man, why do you like it? What, if you have to have realism, you seldom go to movies, do you? No, I, I just don't see superhero movies. Hate them. Yeah. Can't stand them. Um, and I just I don't like robes, wizards, none of that crap. Well, that's I'm sorry for you. I feel <laughs> I feel I feel really bad for you in your limited your limited world. But I. Uh, the Walking Dead is so ridiculous. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. So what do you what do you like about it? Uh, character development. You know these characters go through all sorts of trials, and um, some of them change, some of them don't, and that's it. And I I watch it for the the absolute uh, absurd nature <laughs> of the plots and all that stuff. Yeah, and it's funny. You know that that expression about willing suspension of disbelief. Well. This is the du- the stupidest show ever, but we're, we're we love it. We're sitting there watching it. We can't miss it. So that's I'm, awesome. Yeah, I'm watching The Walking Dead, uh, watching sixty minutes. Uh, All right, is that still on? You're such an idiot. <laughs> is that still a thing? Who you're watches a, sixty minutes? You're such a turd. Who watches sixty minutes? Are I you serious? I can't believe he's such a turd. The rest of the world has the internet, and we look at our phones to get the news, and you are still in your living room. Dude, my wife, my honey, wife, it's time for sixty minutes. She watched this week on sixty. Yeah, Ed Bradley's still alive too. Don't believe what they tell you, man. Uh, uh, no, my wife watches Netflix all of all the time. She likes all of those English. Oh, okay, yeah. English period pieces, little English crime dramas, that kind of stuff. Nice. So that's what I'm. That's what we do with TV. All right. What am I working on right now? Well, uh, well, I'm not done with that yet. What, oh, okay. uh, what about uh, any any films you've seen recently, or anything you you get out to the the, the motion pictures? You're ever? not gonna believe this. You're not gonna believe this. But m- my wife uh, wants us to go see the new Jack Reacher movie. Really? Yeah. All with right. Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. I have to go sit and watch Tom <laughs> Cruise. It's gonna suck. <laughs> I think Alex just went and saw. They just went and saw that. I'm excited about the new um, Ryan Gosling movie with uh, the redhead, cute redhead girl. It's called La La Land. Did really well at uh, festivals, but it's this sort of like romantic comedy. I'm a big rom-com fan. I like yeah. rom-coms. I like yeah. romantic comedies. I like documentaries. 
Um, and I like drama. I like when movies don't end well. Like, let me rephrase that. I don't. Ha- they don't have to end bad for me to like them. But when they end in reality, if not everybody falls in love and somebody dies, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay walking away, like having to deal with like who 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 we are as a world. The reality of it. Yeah, like I'm okay. Watch like most people don't say, "Hey, I'm going to watch Twelve Years a Slave." I actually was really excited to see that film. Yeah, you know, I'm okay. I know some films take work, and you have to go to them, and you know that I'm committing to this because it's is a process, and those I like those type of films. Yeah, you work harder. I can tell you right now, you work harder going to a movie than I do. <laughs> you work hard. <laughs> You you poor bastard! You got to sit there and work. <laughs> I just go, and hopefully it's not uh, Tom Cruise, and then I I just eat some popcorn and have goobers. <laughs> so there's as hard that's as hard as I want to work with movies. What about where you stand on superheroes? Superhero movies. We have on this show we have an ongoing debate, and it's polarized. Alex is pro superhero movies. I hate them. I think they're the literally the worst thing that ever happened, ever. Where do you land on the camp? Whose camp are you in? Um, are there girls in the superhero uh, movies? I, sure, there could be. You got you to decide. In or out. Uh, Iron Man. In or out. Marvel. I know Iron Man. Are you in or out? Uh, I guess I'm all right. I I not I can't say in you're or not, out. You're not gonna you're not you're not going out of your way to see uh, the Avengers. I actually prefer obscure foreign films. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> Very dark. Okay, so now you're in my camp because okay, so yeah. so like like uh, Jean Pierre Jeunet, Amelie, Mick Max. Are you into him? Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, Delicatessen. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Oh, see, look, we're, you might be on my side. You're smarter than you look. <laughs> you might be on my side. This is interesting. Uh, all right. Well, what about uh, what what about uh, what what are you what are you working on these days? What's the deal? Let me think. Uh, oh, I'm doing some uh, brand development for a couple of companies and uh, one uh, pretty interesting uh, project. I can't talk about them. Yeah, no, that's 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 how we always end up on the show, like just talking around things. Doesn't it suck? Yeah. I can't say anything. Yeah, like no. like. Me spilling some big secret here. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Yeah, yeah, no one cares. But I'll tell you, we, I'm excited, or not excited, but I, the one thing I have been working on was this piece for a tequila brand, which also happens to be something you've been working on. Yeah. So that was kind of cool that we got to collaborate on this this project. Well, uh, in fact, you, I believe, went to Mexico for a week. Yes, I did. By yourself, or maybe with one. I had a guy. You had a grip. <laughs> I had a guy. You had one guy with you. I had Francisco. And you went to Francisco. Yeah, he's great. And you went down there and shot for like seven days. So tell me it about that. It was crazy. Yeah. So um, so we were we were slated to work with this tequila brand to go to tequila, which I didn't know was like a thing. There's a town called Tequila. Yeah, did not know that. And uh, that's where they make tequila. And we were, we were contracted to go with them and film. We were going to do three days, film for three days. So with travel, it was five days total. And we're going to film um, and and have content to sort of tell their story at a big meeting and then use some other content, you know, for, for marketing purposes. So, um, so yeah, so it was exciting. We were prepping for it. I know on the show I've talked about a couple of things, but the, the big thing that we, I was worried about was the border. 
Yeah. Because I had never shot internationally, and I didn't know how do I get $20,000 of filmmaking equipment across the border. Is there going to be issues? Are they going to take something? How am I going to complete my task? Do I need to have backup vendors ready to rent? I don't, you know, I didn't know. I'd never done it before. So um, we were flying into Guadalajara. And, uh, and so the first thing I did was I connected locally with some other producers who've traveled internationally and immediately everybody said, you got to get a carne, get a carne. I'm like, what's a carne? So I uh, looked it up, ATA boomerang carnes, a carne is, uh, essentially a bond. Okay. So, uh, for everybody listening, if you have to, to, to shoot internationally, you should consider getting a carne. Now, if it's just you in a, in a, Canon 5D, DSLR, like you're fine. Just cross the border. That's basically a personal item. But we were bringing uh, our full full travel kit. So we had a, a C100 Mark II with all of our lenses. We had sliders, mini jib, tripods. We had um, a Cineo Maverick light, Cineo Matchbox light, and we had a 3DR drone. So we had, you know, four cases. We had a kit. It was about 20 grand worth of stuff. So if you're traveling with anything of substance, it's it's probably smart to get what's a carne. So a carne essentially serves as like a bond so that you can import your goods. It's like a passport for your gear. You can import your goods into the country tax-free, and then you can export your gear, so get it back out of the country uh, for the purposes of your trip to do your job. And so the carne serves as like a bond, and so instead of paying potentially $5,000 in taxes through uh, Mexican tax revenue. Um, you're paying X amount of money to the carne. It's like this international pass. So you're paying 500 bucks for the carne instead of 5000 Does that make sense? It does. So that was the first big lesson I learned was get the carne. So, But the carne, you have to have it stamped in this very specific way at the border. So before you leave the U.S., the U.S. has to validate everything and say, yep, you're taking it in. They stamp and sign it. You arrive in Mexico. You tell them you have a carne. It's a big production. You get the customs. They look at your carne. They tell you to open your gear. They checkpoint all the equipment to make sure it lines up with what's listed on the carne. Then they give you a stamp and a check mark. You have to do the same thing on your return back to the States, and that's kind of how it works. So I didn't know how that was going to go. I don't speak Spanish. I brought along Francisco uh, as my, he's an IT guy, but he he's a uh, ended up being a translator and basically being the director of the whole shoot. As I was kind of the director of photography. Did he like? Did he enjoy? Oh, it? he's great. Francisco is the man. He's he's the guy. He's the dude. So we had a great time. Uh, we got in, no issues. We got in, no issues. And um, and from there, we had you know some guys that met us at the border um, who were working with the uh, with the distillery, and they were no joke, dude. Like, they were looking out for us. They were scanning the crowd like hawks and got us to the Suburban and made sure we had safe transport the whole trip. We got to Tequila. Um, beautiful countryside. It's in a valley. There's a volcano. There's mountains. Yeah. Just fields and fields and fields of blue agave. Beautiful. Uh, and a nasty little plant. I mean, spiky. It'll cut you in half. Um, but one of the cool things that, that we learned was that the agave plant has to grow for seven years before you can harvest it. Whoa. So seven years of growing, then you harvest, and then you mash it up, and you, you know you get the liquid, you distill, and then you only store in the in the barrels for like eight to twelve months, and then you're good to go. All right, I got it. This is an important technical question. <laughs> this is about the technology, filmmaking mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. How much tequila did you drink while you were down there? Uh, on your- 
there was a lot of tequila that was being uh, consumed. Mm. Right? Every day, every night, we were drinking tequila. That's an important technological it's huge. issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, we, we, I mean, it was no vacation. We, we ran 15-hour days. Ooh. So we woke up before sunrise, and we weren't done till sunset. Um, we were trying to capture morning light and afternoon light, also known as magic hour, every day. Um, day one was all about shooting the town, the people, the vibe, the stray dogs, just the colors, the the paint, the chipped paint on the wall, all that sort of stuff, just the, the town in general. Uh, so we shot, you know, handheld. We shot on a three-foot SERP slider. We shot with the 3DR drone. Um, so we covered our bases each day. Day two was where we did our interviews with the president and the master distiller, and we shot the barrel house and some of the plant. Um, and then day three was out in the fields with the hemidors, which is uh, the, basically farmers, and they're the guys who cut down the agave and throw it onto the truck and all that sort of stuff. So it was fun, man. We 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 hustled hard, and um, I think you know ultimately, you know, I'm really excited with what we created. And you know, you wrote the script for the the 60 second brand essence piece, but we really created some content that I think, you know, when I watch it and people who've seen it, you really get a sense of the town of tequila and the and the people. And that was our goal was we wanted people to understand that this drink, this spirit, this small batch crafted spirit was much more than a shot you take on your twenty first right. birthday. Yeah. It's it's a it's a culture. And we think that when people see that, when they feel that, they're going to be way more uh, interested to learn about tequila culture and to start drinking good tequila. Yeah. So I didn't know there was such a thing as good tequila. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, yeah, but, it's a um, thing. But I'm glad to know that yeah. now. So it was, a, it was a great trip and a, a lot of fun, and, and I can't wait. As soon as we can post anything, we'll share it with, the, with everybody and share it with the group on Slack. We got a Slack. Are you on Slack? No. You're not on Slack. No, I'm a slacker. You're a slacker. But, yeah. but I'm not. If anybody's yeah. on Slack, you can go to our website at fdbpodcast.com. Check out the Slack link. Ask for an invite. We'll get you in there. It's just like a little community. It's a little place for filmmakers to hang out yeah. online. Totally. So, um, And you're happy with the with the footage you got Oh, there? man. Yeah, we just shot so much B-roll. Just tons. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Although, I, it wasn't all uh, roses. On the way back, I got a staph infection. Wow. People die from that. Oh, I, <laughs> we should be happy we're here yeah, today. Yeah, I know. We? Yeah, I got a, I got a crazy inside my nose. It was in my left nostril. I got a staph infection. I, I got back to the States, and I went to urgent care, and I got this crazy shot in, oh, in my butt, followed by uh, oral medication, nose gel. It's crazy. I almost died. Dude, that's just, o- I didn't die. I'm that's occupational kidding. hazard, man. It's a deal. Yeah, it's a problem. I ain't so. doing it. I'm not going down there. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It, it could have happened anywhere. It wasn't because of Mexico. Mexico is great. Right here in Cincinnati, you yeah. can get a staff yes, infection. Yes, absolutely. I don't believe there's it. Staff, there's staff yeah. on your body I, at all times. No. There's staff on your on your arm right not now. Not mine. Not yeah. mine. Nope. <laughs> Adam, maybe. You. Not mine. So uh, what, what about you? Have you done anything recently that you're, you're, uh, you're excited about? You got anything lined up? Any place you're going? Anything you're doing? What, what are you looking forward to, man? What's, what's inspiring you? I don't know. I mean, I honest to goodness, I, I get inspired by every brief, every creative brief that pro- crosses my desk. I I look at it and think, man, we could turn this into something. Yeah, that that's the the part of of our work that's just so rewarding. We get to make stuff up every day. Mm-hmm. We're, we're making art, 
and it's 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 art that's beneficial to a number of a number of entities. It's very good for the business. It's soul satisfying for yeah. us. We're we're really very fortunate people. Yeah, that's true. It's it's a great industry. I think I want to I want to leave the listeners with one final thought, and because you you're so good at what I'm about to share. Um, I'm reading a book right now. Um, our creative director, uh, Bridget Agricola, she recommended a book to me called uh, e- "Ego is Ego is Evil," something about the evil ego by Ryan Holiday. It's not evil as ego. What am I thinking? E- ego is ego is evil. Ego is bad. Anyway, I'm reading this book and it's really good and it's it's kind of hinting at how. The ego can kind of get in the way of things and, you know, creatives struggle with some of that stuff. And um, so I'm reading this book and the whole time I, I was thinking about you, mm. not because you have a big ego, but because uh, I think you do some things really well that I think the listeners could implement, which is you are always connecting with creative people and looking for people who are doing cool stuff. You're always... Uh, wanting to collaborate. You're always looking to learn. You're always willing to teach. Um, and so one of the things in the book that, uh, that they talked about was this idea of, you know, always have somebody you're teaching, always have somebody you're learning from and this sort of loop of, you know, of information. And so, you know, I, I think it's cool, man. What's been cool is on, on this project, me and you've been working on, it's been really cool to say, Hey Jeff, you know, come over here. You know, what do you think about this? And, you know, I just love the way you give feedback and the way you're, you're able to massage things and critique things. And, yeah. um, well, thank you. So I appreciate that. So I, I, that's a huge thing. Talk about that from your point of view and your experience. I know you believe in that sort of way of thinking, but just the importance of pushing it. Well, dude, here's the thing. There are, and I, you know, I say this all the time. I firmly believe this. There are a million ways to solve any creative problem. A million ways, whatever the problem is. So, you know, you call me over and say, hey, let's let's take a look at this rough cut. I know that there are a million ways to do that rough cut. There isn't one specific correct way. There just isn't. This is art, for heaven's sake. So, you know, what I try to do is appreciate the thing for what it is. And if I feel that there are uh, some different directions that we might go, you know, I'll, I'll say, hey, have you tried maybe doing this or doing this? But, you know, I would, I'd be stupid to walk over and say, nope, Brandon, this thing has to be this. It's mm-hmm. got to be purple from here to the end of the video. You know, because I know that that's not true. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I guess maybe I'm a little different than some guys. I, I'm, a, I'm a team kind of guy. Yeah. I kind of, I enjoy working with the team. Um, not everybody does. There, A lot of great art happens alone. Sure. But then a lot of great art happens in collaboration. So, yeah. you know, and if you believe, as I do, that there are a million ways to solve any creative problem, it makes it so much easier to work with, to work with people. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. The, the book I was referring to is called Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And I want to leave you guys with a quote. Uh, put it on my Twitter um, from Marina Evermorvit. Sorry. I've oh, please. Botched the name. Try that again. Marina Abramovic. Okay. I think. I don't know. A performance artist said, um, if you start believing in your greatness, it is the death of your creativity. Whoa. 
right? And yeah. I thought I thought that was just a very potent enough that I obviously retweeted it, but it really stuck with me. In and uh, and I really do. I appreciate it. I mean, even um, you know when we were working on the script, you were shooting me, you know, some different script ideas, and um, and I really appreciate the fact that I can feel comfortable just kind of shooting from the hip because I'm not a, I'm not a writer. I don't know the speak. I don't know how to talk like a creative director. But I would just push back on some of your scripts just from the hip. Ah, it feels too this, feels too that. Ah, I don't know. Da, da, da. And you know, instead of you know letting the ego say, well, what do you know to give that type of critique? You're not a writer or whatever. You you kind of soaked it in. You're like, okay, let me see. I think I know what he's saying here. Okay, let me, boom. And then you took whatever I was saying to then shape and make what it was better to where the next time I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I really appreciate that. Well, and I think that yeah. um, I think that seasoned seasoned creatives uh, seem to do that really well, and the younger ones don't. So I want to leave that with our listeners today is – you know, you're probably not as great as you think you are. Surround yourself with people better than you. Find ways to learn, and don't. Uh, but don't be stingy with your gifts. So, so share what what you're good at and give that to the world. But also know that there's plenty that you need to learn. That's nailed, man. Did that work, dude. You nailed it, man. So, so we've been sitting here just chatting. How long do you think we've been chatting? I don't know. Fifteen minutes. I know it goes by quick, doesn't it? Yeah. How long we, have we been? It's been like chatting? an hour. Are we getting paid for this? <laughs> no. Oh, yes. Well, dang yeah, kind of, sort of. So uh, anyway, thanks so much for being on the show. Will you come back? Oh, sure. It was great to have you on the show. Um, it's always fun to hang out with you. I mean, we do this anyway, all the time. We're we lucky. just had coffee the other day. We we were doing this. We're uh, l- lucky people off the air. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Jeff Chambers is. The man of the hour, creative director, writer. He's at, uh, right now, you're at Leap Agency. Yep. Um, anything, you got any side hustles, anything you do? Do you have a you know a website, a way people can get a hold of you? Are you on the Twitter? Are you on the Facebook? Or Yeah, I'm going to check out a couple interesting things going on in Cincinnati. Um, you got to check out Adam at Sound Images. Definitely. Because the, the, the work that they're starting to do and the music, the original music they're starting to produce, I mean, this place is... It's poised to take off. Yeah, and it's got such a rich history. So sound images in Cincinnati. And uh, check out uh, Keith Neltner, Neltner Small Batch. Yeah, you work a lot with him too, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I work with him. and NeltnerSmallBatch.com. A lot of the stuff you'll see that uh, his work, a lot of the copy, right? Yeah, I wrote it. a lot of stuff yeah. you've done. Yeah. Um, and if you're out there listening and you're like, man, I you know, I could use some copy or, you know, uh, could use some critique or, you know, overall, Jeff is a killer, killer guy who's always looking to, to make new relationships. You can always email and holler at uh, ftbpodcast at ftbpodcast at gmail.com, ftbpodcast on Instagram and Twitter, ftbpodcast.com. We're out there. You know how to find us. If you want to get a hold of Jeff, just holler at us. We will connect the dots for you. Happy to do it. Um, and uh, as always, man, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Um, rate and review on iTunes. That's how we... Uh, Get better at what we do. And uh, I think that's it, man. It's a good show. Oh, that's awesome. Cheers. Cue the, cue the music. Cheers. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.